Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Cheltenham Festival Preview 2021, sponsored by Betfair. I'm your host, George Ellick, and today I'll be joined by three expert guests to preview the Wednesday of the 2021 Cheltenham Festival, the day two of the festival. Those guests are Andy Holding, Odds Checker Tipster, Betfair Tipster, Tony Calvin, and Betfair Barry, Barry Orr. Who joined me today? We did the pleasantries. We did the pleasantries. Barry. Fair Barry. <laughs> Does everyone call you that? He keeps Barry? using that. Well, because it, it's how you're known in the industry, Barry. That's it. it Do people come up to you on the racetrack and call you Fair Barry? Yeah. No, yeah. they call me Tony. I said, no, he's left. He's gone. <laughs> Barry, I'm afraid to say when I tell people who we've got on the uh, on the podcast today, I say Tony Calvin, Andy Holding, and Fair Barry, and they say, brilliant. I love Fair Barry. So that's the way that it works. Um, that's that's, nice that's refreshing and, and unusual in, in the same, <laughs> same degrees. Right, we'll get into. We did the pleasantries in, in day two. We are, um, you know, this we're recording this at just before two o'clock on on the Thursday, the week before the festival. So we've just had uh, the, you know, who's been left in all the races for um, for the day two of the festival now, and the markets have reformed. So the prices might be subject to change pretty quickly. There probably isn't a great deal of liquidity in the um, in the Betfair exchange markets too. As they reform, but we'll be doing our best to go through it. And we, before we do start, just going to point everybody in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Please do download the app for the best prices, the best bookie offers, the place terms, the free bets, and uh, the very best tipsters as well, including Andy. You can get his tips to your phone uh, on the morning of every race throughout the year, as well as during the festival. And the prices that I will be flagging up here will be the best prices on the grids as well and then we'll get the exchange prices too from barry so we'll start then with the ballymore where bob ollinger is the nine to four favorite gaillard dumont sill is 11 to four brave man's game seven to two appreciate it who's been left in the race as it stands is seven to one uh bear grills sorry bear gills 14 to one 20 to one bar Barry, and I won't call you Betfair Barry. Uh, can you take us away with the opener oh, yeah. in, in the in the Barry in the Barry? <laughs> yeah, Bob Allinger has been the 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 real fancied horse in the market at three point five. Gillard de Messnel is three point nine, four point eight. Brave Man's Game, and they're they're almost to the exclusion of everything else. Bear Gill's in there at fourteen to one on the exchange. He's the one I like. I'm going to have a few quid on the win and place on Bear Gills, Nicky Martin's horse. Just thought his his wins in Exeter and Foslas and Lingfield. I've been really impressed with him. Uh, his his form in Gal Road and Foslas. I just like that. He gave him six pounds that day. Uh, <laughs> Nigel Twist and Davis's horse. Now he's he's got a bit to find with the ones at the head of the market, but that's reflected in his price as well. Um, Nicky Martin obviously trains at Mac Griffiths, who's the Dashel Drasher. Got him his Grade One victory earlier this season. Uh, it's it's a horse that I think he's got a big future ahead of him. Now whether it's it's over hurls or not remains to be seen, but he's still undefeated over hurls, and uh, he's my idea of a bit of value in the race against three what look three really really nice prospects at the head of the market. Yeah, Bear Gills fourteen to one as it stands, although with a firm who aren't on runner no bet, so twelve to one elsewhere for Barry's selection here. Tony? Uh, this has got a very similar shape to the Triumph, hasn't it? Um, the three at the mm. top of the market are just so, so solid, aren't they? And and so exciting. Uh, Bob Wallinger, I actually think, you know, the way this horse travels through his races, I think the Supreme might be the, the, the better race for him. But it obviously looks like he's coming here and he's been a well-supported favourite. You've got Gallard de Menil uh, that I think Handy's put up a, a big price earlier in the season. Yeah, you can definitely see the case for that. But the one I like is... Um, his brave man's game. I was really impressed by him uh, at Newbury last time. I can see him kind of like, um, you know, coming to the last with, with the other two, just maybe sitting in behind him uh, on the snaff. But the way this horse finishing off his race and goes into overdrive late on um, really impresses me. So even though he's the outsider at the three at the top of the market, brave man's game is the one. I have backed him each way at a nine to two and fives uh, not so long ago, and I'm very happy with that position. I actually had a little bit on Kescon Risk as well at twenty to one each way um, a couple of days ago. Um, I think they're going to come here. I've, I've taken the non-runner money back angle as well, uh, but if there is one that's going to creep into uh, into the top three, which I think is hard, I think Kescon Risk is, is probably the one. But 
Uh, I'm not a big fan of Bear Gills, especially at 14s. I'd rather take my chances at 20s on Keskin Risk if you are looking out the front three. But for me, Brave Man's game is um, is the one I fancy most at the top of the, the top trio. I spoke to uh, Betfair Ambassador Paul Nichols this morning about Brave Man's game, and this is what he had to say. Move on to the Ballymore now, where you've got Brave Man's game, who looks an incredibly exciting prospect. Just behind the Irish pair in the market at the moment, um, the only horse who's beaten him so far this uh, season was Soaring Glory, who's of course gone on to, to some pretty good things. 17 length combined margin of victory over his last two runs, over two and a half uh, miles. How excited are you by him? Yeah, for the future, very. You know, he's going to be an awesome chaser in time. But, you know, he, he holds his own in, right, as a novice hurdler, as you say, against Soaring Glory at Chepstow over two miles. First time they both ran very, very good races. And we were thrilled by that. And um, then he stepped him up in trip and he's not looked back. And, of course, he won the Challo uh, grade one at Newbury very easily at Christmas. I mean, you could argue that he's had a couple of soft races. And, I mean, his margin is waved. He's won very, very impressively. Um but, um, you know, we've kept him fresh for this and he's definitely got a chance. You know, it's, it's a good race. All those races are at Cheltenham in the, you know, like Demond got beat in this race. So it's not an easy race to win, but he's he's very well. Great preparation and looking forward to it. And again, he won't mind the fact that the ground, the ground doesn't look like it's going to be too bad. Yeah, great to speak to Betfair Ambassador Paul Nichols this morning about Brave Man's game. I spoke to him about Politilog 2 and we'll drop in the clip as to what he said about his uh, Queen Mother champion chase runner there when we cover the um, the race itself later on. And I'll let you know where you can watch the full interview there too. Uh, Andy, um, Tony Keen on Brave Man's game. Barry is keen on Bear Gills. Which one is, I mean, are you agreeing with either of those two or are you going to take one of the top two in the market? Are you happy with your position on Gaillard de Mensil? Well, yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's, you know, the day when he won at Leopardstown, he, he won a maiden hurdle, but again, when I was tinkering around with that four-day meeting and doing what I do, you know, sort of lining up one race against another. I, there was a grade one race won by Florian Porter, so I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity to see how good that maiden hurdle was. And again, let Florian Porter run probably a couple of furlongs and clicked it at the same point where Galliard de Mesnil jumped the first hurdle um, and let them go. And I've sent this video around to a few people, and they they thought I was take they thought I'd edited it to, <laughs> um, you know, sort of uh, bolster the opinion I got on Galliard de Mesnil because they literally couldn't believe their eyes. That literally all of them came back and just went, "Wow!" Um, it, seeing is believing. It, it, I think it was almost the, the whole length of the running. Galliard de Mesnil had gone over the line, and, and Florian Porter was just jumping the last. He was that far ahead of genuine Grade One horses, and I thought, well. Either those grade one horses are completely and utterly no good or Galliard de Mesnil is the next coming. Um, so I thought, well, straight away I'm thinking, well, Willie Mullins will come back here to the Dublin Racing Festival. He'll run him in one of those two grade ones. And I'm thinking he's more of a two and a half mile horse than, than a, a two mile horse. So the obvious race is the Ballymore. So I quickly scribbled, scribbled it all down, sent the prices out and posted up on, on the Ticket on the Ticket tipping board. And he went and won his trial, um, beat a good field. Um, the best staying fielders around as I could see they were all there Statler, Fakira, Ganapathy Shadow Roller, Honey, Honey Macaponi Ashdale Bob, Vanillier and he, he he beat them fair and square he stayed really well I was worried about the ground I was worried about 2-6 but he, he travelled and he quickened and he put them all in their place I think he's got a, I think he's got better form than Brave Man's Game by a mile um, Brave Man's Game love the horse to bits I think he's a I think going forward he's the best of these as a chaser further down the line. I think another couple of years would be a Gold Cup horse. But there's a worry about that. I mean, that shallow hurdle stat has just been knocking around for years now, and it's just yeah. a massive worry, isn't it? 17 horses have won the shallow hurdle, not one of one. Paul Nichols has never won the shallow hurdle. Uh, he's never won the Ballymore. Um, I think Denman got beat, didn't he, back in the day? So it's just not a race. For some reason, Paul Nichols wins. It's, just, <laughs> it's going to be broken sooner or rather later. And if it, if it is any horse, it's going to be Brian Man's game. Um, I've got a huge amount of respect for Bob Ollinger. He clocked a good number when he won the Lollers and Ace. Again, he beat the right horses in inverted commas. Ashdale, Bob and Forty fell at the first, but Blue Lord represents that form line and he represented it well next time out. So, look, this is an absolute dead three-runner race. It's the best race on of the festival for me with regards future quality. And if you're, the real, if you're a real purist of the game, these three here 
are absolutely right out of the top draw. It's going to be a fascinating race tactically. I think I think there's only going to be seven or eight runners, and a lot of these won't run. Um, I, I presume that Brave Man's game will make the running. And you'll get the other two rather cat and mouse, cat and mouse in behind, wanting to play their hand late on, sort of from two out you know, to, to the line. So it's going to be a brilliant race to watch. This race would really put their hairs, hairs, uh, hairs on the back of your neck, standing up with the crowd going wild. Because all three of these, if they all stand on their feet, are going to go hell for leather down to the last. I'm hopeful, obviously, Galliard de Mezno comes out on top and, and wins. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the race. I think Bob Ollinger is the main danger. Uh, I really do. I don't think I don't think Brave Man's game's form, as it stands at the moment, what he's done against the UK horses, the other two are proper <coughs> genuine grade one. They've proven themselves in grade one company. I think those Irish horses are really good this year. So I think it's between those two Irish horses. And like I say, hopefully Willie Mullins can win it again with uh, Galliard de Mesnil. Yeah, I must say, I've forgotten the price that you were on it until I just clicked on that little yellow star on the grids and saw it was 16 to 1 that you put Galliard de Mesnil on that. Um, which he's, is... my big, he's, my, he's my biggest winner of the week. So, uh, yeah. Just are, you the, are you the kind of punter once you get a 16 to 1 and you can lay off around about uh, 3 to 1? Are you the kind of guy that that would, would, would take your profit or at least kind of like get flat? Yeah, I, I've actually done it the other way around, Tony. I've actually backed Bob Ollinger at 5 to 1 as well. So I've backed Bob Ollinger each way at five and I've backed Galliard de Mesnil at 16 because I thought he was, the, once he won the Lawler's an ace, I thought, well, I've got to cover my bets here because I thought that, well, I was really impressed with that and his time figure wasn't that far away what Galliard de Mesnil did. But that, oh, harping, harping back to that 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 race at Leopardstown, I mean, I, I've been I've, I've been in this game for a long time. I was going to say, yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen a horse do what he did that day in that main hurdle for a long, long time and I, I I was falling me over, falling over myself to try and back him. And <laughs> like, and, and all those horses that ran in behind him that day have all come out and frank the floor. Mr. Incredible, next time he, he floored um, a nice mare called Gardens of Eden, next time out uh, of Willie Mullins. His Magic Days won subsequently. He, even the horse that finished ninth, horse called Stockdale, got beat 116 lengths when I won at Fairy House next time out. So it's just, it's just unbelievable form. Stick me on your bloody email chain. <laughs> Get, a, get get him in. Get a, if you get the WhatsApp on your laptop, uh, then he'll then he'll message you all the tips. Uh, to, uh, uh, I hope I hope he finishes. I hope his horses finish second and third. To be honest with you, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll see come the day. But hopefully, Andy, after your you know your stairs hurdle uh, crossbar rattle last year, hopefully you can get Gayard de Mesnel over the line. I'll send uh, I'll send you the video clip, Tony. Oh, good. Yeah, I look forward to it. Uh, but should be. You I'll, know, take, I'll take the freeze as opposed yeah. to the 16. <laughs> <laughs> should be a great start anyway to the Wednesday. And we'll move on to the second race of the day where we've got the shortest price favourite of the festival as it stands in the Brown Advisory novice Chase Monkfish. Six to four best price at the moment, as sure as eight to 15 with one firm. Royal Pagal still entered his nine to one best price. The big breakaway, nine to one. Eclat de Rear, 10 to one. Next Destination, 10 to one. Sporting John, 12 to one. Late, latest Exhibition, 14 to one. 25 to one bar. But Barry, to be honest, uh, Monkfish has them all running scared. Yeah, he certainly does. He's eight to 13 on the sports book, four to six on the exchange. Interestingly, there was six odds on chances last year and five of them got beat. It's only one winning odds on chance. So, yeah, you have to, you know, it's, a, it's it's slowly, slowly catchy monkey at Cheltenham. That's for sure. But this looks rock solid. He really does. Um, there's not many in against him. Akedari is currently 11 on the exchange. 12, the big breakaway. Next destination, 10.5. Sporting John, who hit a high of 70 when he won the uh, Silly Isles. He's currently 15. Yeah, I, I, I'm struggling to see past the favourite here. Uh, I'm struggling to see any value outside of him as well. I think there could be less than eight runners in this race as well. So it's not going to be an each way betting proposition come uh, 48 hour decks. At the moment, it is. There's three places. But uh, yeah, Monkfish for me. Monkfish uh, can't see past. Well, I can't see past him. Barry can't see past him. Tony, can you make a case for any others? Um, I think this is just a. Uh... This is the the good thing of the fest. If you ask me to say what's the what's the one horse that's going to win at Cheltenham, I'd, I'd say Monkfish. I think when me and Barry did a, a podcast a few weeks back, I I asked him to to ask to get the sports books price back. What price non-runner no bet would would they get? Although you know he's never going to run there. What price mm. uh, they 
they put Monkfish in for the Gold Cup. And I think you come back as four to one, didn't you, Baz? Really? Um, I'd probably back him at four one for the Gold Cup, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I just think he's an absolutely brilliant horse, and um, he, he strikes me as equally, if not a better prospect than Envoy Allen. So that's that's how highly I'd rate him. Uh, I have had a bet in a race. Um, I've uh, a while ago I backed Eclatoria at twelves and fourteens each way. Uh, one firm are offering them without the market, and I, I earlier on in the week. Uh, uh, and I back Eclatoria each way at fours without Monkfish. Uh, they've, they've trimmed that into three to one now. Um, I didn't get too much on, but uh, I quite like that. I quite like that Eclatoria each way of fours uh, without the Fav. Um, yeah, but from, I'm a bit worried about the ground because all all Eclatoria's form was on on soft ground, and all his siblings and and his dam needed it needed it pretty deep. So I'd be worried about the ground. But I've got the I've got the non-runner money back angle there, but. I'd be mightily surprised uh, if Monkfish is beaten. I don't play it odds on. I don't play. I don't play at short prices. Full stop. But um, I wouldn't be taking Envoy Allen on at uh, one point eight eight, and I wouldn't be taking on uh, Monkfish on at one point seven three either. Um, no, I just think he'll. I just think he'll win in winning style. But hopefully, Eklatari will will, uh, will finish second to him. Yeah, that seems to be likely to be a double that'll be going in a fair few uh, slips over next week. Uh, Andy, anything to add on this one, or is this, this going to be a monkfish procession? Yeah, um, I think the most exciting horse for me, other than a Menvoyal in, in, in train at the moment, arguably even more exciting because um, I don't think we've discussed the surface with this fella yet. Um, he just basically just, you know, pulverizes his opposition um he's such a fluent jumper he's he's such a he's very deceptive also. obviously he's very very um he's very very um he's not robust but he covers the ground uh, incredibly well um he's very deceptive and like i said the, the numbers i got him doing when he lined him up with kenboy that day back in um february were absolutely frightening um, it's no wonder latest exhibition doesn't want to come here and take him on again. Um, he, he's very much like a you know taking on Marvin Hagler, Manny Pacquiao. He'll just basically just <laughs> batter you if you want to go toe to toe with him. He'll just keep out jabbing you, and, and he's got that knockout blow as well. If you want, he's tough in a finish. We saw him in the Albert Bylet last year. He had no right to win that race, and he did. Um, I think he could. I think he could. He's like Envoyal. I think he could win the the two and a half mile race standing on his head. He's got that much speed. And he's, I think he's going to get a freebie up front, really. It's Paul Townley's just got to get him into a nice rhythm early on, get him over those tricky ones. That first one down the back early is a bit of a bit of a, uh, you know, a, it, it comes up quite quite quick in a race and it can catch one or two horses out. So he's going to have to be on his on his metal there. But yeah, the first lap, if he gets that around that first lap on Skade, he'll just keep grinding it out. And yeah, this is this is the be- this is the best bet of the festival, or the, or the best of the short ones at the festival. I, I, I wouldn't be want to be laying him. Monkfish, yeah, can't see past him across the board here. And as I say, sure to be in a couple of short priced um, multiples come the day. Uh, On to the Coral Cup now, the third race and Grand Roy, Grand Roy, if you want to do it in French, Roy is uh, seven to one. Koshari nine to one. Uh, you raise me up twelve to one. The Shunter fourteen to one. Great White Shark fourteen to one. Botox has Monte Cristo both fourteen to one as well. Uh, Sixteen to one. Bar um, Tony, I'll come to you first here. Uh, yeah, um, I'll be interesting to see where Jenica goes. Um, I-, I think he's a really well handicapped horse. He has to bounce back from a, a pretty dismal run. His first run after a wind up. Uh, Ascot earlier in the season, uh, an even more putting performance given that, you know, he's a horse that excels when fresh, but at least he's been dropped two pounds from that. And if they have got him back, uh, like I said, he's, he's got festival form. He's, he's, he's on a, his hurdles mark is 145 gives him, uh, gives him a real good chance. Uh, if they have freshened him up and if they, they have did find a problem uh, for last time when he was very well backed after that breathing operation, then he's interesting me, but he's got four entries. So um, I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, and he's, he's likely to, you know, he's, he's not the profile you probably want in a race like this, but I just think off his handicap mark, he's the kind of horse that will probably interest me. Um, 
you know, each way um, enhanced places as well. But uh, these kind of races, I, I just have to see the final field. But uh, Janika is definitely on my radar wherever he goes, albeit, like I said, he has to put that pretty dismal run behind him last time. Janika there, the one to keep an eye on for Tony. Uh, Barry? Yeah, not a big opinion for me, George. Gramway, 7-1, to one, 8. Kashari, you raised me up 10. Craig Nish, some money for that. He's into 12-1. to one. Uh, Betfair Sportsbook, five places to each way punters in the anti-post market. Non-runner money back for that. Yeah, so watch and brief for me till we get the final decks. Watch and brief for Barry as well. Andy, you know, you can find a bet anywhere. So hoping you're going to come up with something here. Or is it a watch and brief for you until the day? Yeah, of the ones at the front end of the market, I'm most interested in Kashari. Uh, he was a bit unlucky at Leopardstown in that, that race last time out behind his stab companion, Maze Runner. Um, through no fault of his own, he, he rather headbutted the fourth. Um, there was a lot of horses in front of him, and I think it was just a swinging hurdle at come back, and, and he ran into it. And he went from sort of three quarters of the field, way down the field to, to last coming out the back straight with a circuit to run. So he did amazingly well to finish six. So I've massively upgraded his run. Um, he's over a trip as well, which it was a bit of an experiment because prior to that, he'd won at two and a half miles at Cork. So I think two mile five around Chion should be ideal for him. Still think he's not badly treated off a of mark 144. He's, um, Irish mark has been kept the same, which is not always the case um, with some of the Irish horses. If you're a weights and measures man, can see the case for Graham Roy. Obviously chased home the uh, sprightly Backerson last time out in a fast time. Beacon Edge, the third horse, has won subsequently. That's, you know, good, solid grade two form, born into a handicap, and he's off 149. Uh, the market's got him. I mean, to be fair, the market's now got Kushar. I think he was 14, 16, or one a week or two ago, and he's mm. now eight. But look, it's an on-the-day race, betting race for me. That you know, it's a, it's a bookmaker-sponsored race. I'm sure a lot of firms will be betting seven, even eight places or something ridiculous. And you know, you can probably back a couple each way against the field. Um, but I'll, I'll be similar to Tony here. I'd probably wait now until the day you'll get. They'll bet ten to on the field on the morning of the race. Wait to the day uh, for the Coral Cup. Um, move on then to the Champion Chase, where Chacun Poursois is the even money favourite ahead of Altior at seven to one, Nuba Negra eight to one, Politolog ten to one, put the kettle on eleven to one, first flow fourteen to one, Sorayal twenty to one, and ahead of Kilaus Emery, who's also twenty to one, twenty-five to one bar. And before I ask the guys what they think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I spoke to Paul Nichols about his chance here in Politolog looking to defend his crown. And we'll start with Politolog, who's looking to defend his champion chase. Uh, how's he been after the Clarence House? Yeah, he's fine. He came out of the race well. Um, he, he had a nice break afterwards and he always comes good in the spring. He doesn't really like that January cold weather. That's not a plus for him. Um, but this time of year when the spring... You know, we're in the spring, it's a bit warmer, it's not so cold. He's very happy and he's in good shape. He's done a good, he had a race course gallop at Wincanton last week with all the other Chatham horses. He, he led them all a merry dance around there, had a good day out. Very happy with him. He's in good shape, I'd say. Plenty of festival hot pots, most of them coming over from Ireland, and you'll be taking on one of them in Chacun Pour Soir. Yeah. How do you judge your chances against, uh, you know, a horse that's never travelled, let alone run at the Chatham Festival? Um, well, I mean, Jack Bissouar, I think he was at Cheltenham last year and had a problem and couldn't run. So he's obviously mm. been travelled over once, but he has, but he hasn't run on the course, which is the only disadvantage I can see because he, he looks a fantastic horse. He's been brilliant in his two runs and I was blown away by him the last day when he won in Leopardstown. So, we, you know, if he acts on the course, he's probably the one we've got to beat. You've got a couple others entered into the race as well. Um, Grenatine, Magic Saint and Duke de Geneva. Will they all take up their entries? No, the only other one will be Granitine that Brani rides. He was he ran in the game spirit the other day. He was a bit fresh. Um, he's come on for that run. You know, he 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 he's the sort of horse who could run really tidy. We released that full interview with Paul Nichols on our YouTube channel and podcast platforms. We spoke to Paul about Politolog, as you just heard, and also about uh, Brave Man's Game, as you heard at the top of the show. Also touched on Frodon, Next Destination, Hoogree, among others too. And also his thoughts on what the festival will be like without fans. So do subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you'll find my full chat with Paul, or you can find it on podcast platforms <laughs> there too. Uh, Betfair ambassador Paul Nichols there fingers crossed he has a good week next week so let's talk about the champion chase then and Andy we'll start with you here um, you heard there that 
Paul, obviously pretty respectful of Shaq and Paul Swan, but hopeful as well for Paul Pulitolog. How are you viewing this one at the moment? Yeah, I think of all the, the short price favourites of the week, I'd, I'd be more more than keen to puff my chest out and lay this one because I, I genuinely feel as though this champion chase has got more depth in it than the, what you know what what's been afforded to Shaqan Porswad just a shade of odds on or in and around that market on the exchange land. I mean, this is a miles miles better race. Let's say, for instance, last year when Politolog took it, yeah, Bundor and in there, and, um, the, the second string of Paul Nichols, I forget his name now, um, Dynamite Dynamite Dollars was it? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was a real week affair. Obviously, definitely decided didn't turn up. But I think this is going to be run on on genuinely nice ground as well, which brings in lots of horses that. If it was soft ground, you think, well, Shaq and Paul would probably beat them. The likes of Grenadine, the likes of Nubi Negra, the likes of Put the Kettle on Rouge, Visco, Royale, Altior, of course. This is a really good champion chase. It makes no mistake about it. If Shaq and Paul beats this lot, he would have earned his stripes. You know, we've had lap of honours in the past, you know, from the likes of Altior and, and, and Winter Sacra down the years when they've been three on, four on, two on, and they've beat three or four runners with any great now. But this horse has genuinely got to be. I would say at least seven or eight top notches here to win this. He also hasn't been around the track. So if you're a lay, you've got that on your side. Okay. You know, he's got Leopardstown formula. He looks fantastic around there. That's very much his home track. But he's yet to go around Cheltenham yet. So, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be quite happy to take him on. I've got good horses running for me. I think Nubri Negra has got to be a player. I think the better ground will suit him. I mean, he beat Altior fair and square the other day. He's a great cruiser. Jumps brilliant. It's one of those races where Harry can tell Skelton can go out there and ride with lots of confidence because he's got that pressure on him as, as such. He'll just stalk the pace. Whatever gallop they'll go, he'll be able to lie up. He's a very good horse. And put the kettle on. Don't forget put her. She's three for three round Cheltenham, two for two around this track. She also has got the ground back in her favour. She got well turned over by Shaq and Porswell last time, but the ground wouldn't have suited her in Leopardstown. Um, but she does. she's a very, very nippy, nimble mare. And, you have to remember, you have to be able to handle that that inside track of the, of the old course at Cheltenham. It takes some knowing. And, you know, she's she's the best horse of this field that can, you know, scamper around those bends. Um, so this has got a lot of depth through it. Like I say, Shaq and Paul Swad, desperately short for me. I've already put put the kettle up, uh, up anti-post at a big price. I'm happy with the position with her. But if you, if you if you gave me a free bet now, if I could get some, somewhere in and around the 8-1 to one mark for Nubi Negger, I'll be quite happy to have that on my side from an HI perspective. So really good betting race for punters here. Yeah, vulnerable favourite indeed. Uh, Barry, what are the what are the markets say your end? Yeah, Shaq and Persuad, 2.16. Just drifting out a bit because, like Andy says, there is plenty of strength and depth in this race. Like Shaq and Persuad, when you look what he's been beating in Ireland and, and getting solo some of the time, like the Rasso 19 lens notebook, and Leopardstown, and then the the, the, the last day in Leopardstown, Fakir Dudairees, and a race that fell apart when Min um, made that mistake. You know, he, he's going to know he's been in a race this time round, and he, he at, at even money or a little over even money around the 11 to 10 mark. Yeah, I thought he was a lay as well. Um, you've Altior in there, first flow, I don't think, without a chance. Nubinegre put the kettle on, Politilog, who won it last year. He, he goes there with a chance. So he, there's plenty of opposition to him. And when you're getting him at that sort of price, I think you have to be a layer right in the back. Yeah, absolutely. Very sound, very easy to lay Shaq and Pussoir at the moment. And, you know, the, the odds <clears> on across the board on the odds checker grid to the moment, given Shaq and Pussoir currently trading at about 2.16. You'd think, you know, unless something changes pretty drastically there over the next few days, probably won't be odds on on the day. Tony, do you agree? Take on the fab? Um, yeah, on balance. Um, I think you've got a plenty running for you. If you lay them at, you know, if you lay them at 2.2, you, you've got the field running for you at uh, 5 to 6, and I think that's fair. The guys have articulated, you know, how just what, what depth there is in the race, but... Arguably, the depth of the race makes it unattractive for me because I couldn't look at the opposition and say, "Yeah, I think he'll. I think that one will be placed against him." Um, you know, it's it's not an each my shape. But I've just looked at the exchange after the markets just reopened, and I can't believe Grenatine's eighty-five. Eighty-five. Mm. I know it's win-only price, and I don't know if he's definitely going there. But the fact he's been left in suggests he is. I know he's got loads to find, but. Um, I think this horse has got loads of upside still to come. He was as weak as you like in the betting last time. 
Um, I think if there is decent ground, I think this horse will absolutely love it. I think he'll love a fast pace. I think if a horse is really going to step forward, I think it might be Grenatine. Um, now, the, the each way price is only 33 to 1. Uh, but... Um, yeah, as soon as we as soon as we get off this, I'm I'm, I'm going to have a I'm going to have a few good at eighty five. Um, like I said, on the assumption he's a runner, it just seems too big to me. It's a horse I've liked all season. He disappointed slightly behind Politologue um, at Sandown earlier in the year, but like I said, I, I think that run last time, the market foretold um, how how he was going to run there. But yeah, eighty five grenatine is just an insulting price. Yeah, Grenadine and Paul Nichols did confirm when I spoke to him this morning that the plan is for him to run here. And, you know, it wasn't long ago that people were debating the merits of Grenadine versus Politologue. So, uh, looks 85 like. 85 wrong. 85 wrong. Looks like a massive, massive price. Probably won't be there by the time this goes out once you've had a go at it, though, Tony. But we'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm greedy. I'll ask for 100 and something. <laughs> on then to the uh, cross country where Easy Sland is the even money favourite ahead of Tiger Roll at 11 to 2 Potter's Corner 11 to 2 Some Neck 12 to 1 16 to 1 bar now Tony you said before recording here um, you know we don't have to worry too much about the cross country but let's see because I know other people do um, have an interest in it uh, Barry how does the market look at the moment especially with relation to the favourite yeah, on the exchange, 66 grand matched in this. Easy land, your favourite at 248, which is 6-4. to four. Tiger Roll and Potter's Corner, not a whole lot between them. 6.4 and 6.2, respectively. Then you've some neck in there at 15.5. Uh, a lot of people were expecting Shady Operator to go for this. He hasn't been declared. Um, so, yeah, Easy Land looks like he's going to take all the beat. And it's, a, it's another cup of tea race for me. Mm. Cup of tea race for Barry. Tony, do I even have to ask? Uh, no, it's, it's, it is a standing joke that I never tip in the cross country and I never <laughs> tip in the bumper. Uh, but I backed Vivas at 80s uh, yesterday each way. Uh, I still see 66 to 1, uh, but I think, you, I think you're probably better off taking the 50 to 1 uh, non-run of money back because he's entered in uh, a couple of handicaps. And even though he's very lowly rated, he may well sneak into uh, one or two of those. But... Um, I, I just love the way he travelled uh, when miles out of the handicap um, over this course and distance back in November. Um, he was a 40 to 1 chance that day. And like I said, I think he was 15 pounds out of the handicap. But he actually traded at 6 to 4 in running. Um, and I think if they get decent ground, which is key to this horse, and someone was telling me yesterday that they can't water on the cross country. Country track, so it's gonna if it is gonna be good to soft on the main course, it's gonna be good and quicker on the cross country case course, and that is gonna it's gonna Vivas is gonna absolutely love that. Now he's only rated 127, he's got loads to find, but um, you know, like I said, I don't really bet in these Mickey Mouse type races, but <laughs> if I am gonna, I'm gonna take a wild swing at one at 66s, 80s, 50s, non runner money money back, and uh, Vivas seems to me. If he goes here, uh, I can see him massively outrunning his, his lowly handicap mark, uh, given what he did in November. Vivas for Tony. And Vivas. Tony, th things do change. I remember before the first time you joined us on this podcast, you said you never did podcasts. And now here you are today and we've obviously got the uh, the Betfair podcast mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, things well. change, people change and Vivas hopefully will make this change worthwhile Teague, for you. My, my son Teague's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> do, do your son a favour and look what's happened. <laughs> Andy, uh, how about you for the cross country? Um, yeah, I think the ground's the key to this, as, as Tony's already alluded to. Um, they can't water, as he's already right, quite rightly pointed out. The forecast is for a relatively dry time of it. I'd imagine it'd be a good ground there already um, on, on that inside track, because it's always usually traditionally better, isn't it? Even when the, it's good to soft, soft in places out on the, on the normal course, the, the inside course is uh, usually a little bit quicker. Um, and that would be a little bit disturbing or worrying for those that um, fancy Easy's land because his only bad race in his life came when um, he was he was a bit very below par um, behind Kingswell Theatre early on in the season. Look, that was his first run for a while, and you know he's obviously got bigger fish to fry later on in the season. I get that, but um, the vibes haven't been absolutely like you know ringing ringing from the rafters with Easy's land throughout the season. There's, a, there's been talk about another one of his horses coming here. I think it was Asias, wasn't it? Um, that that didn't make the gig either. Which one will take advantage of him on good ground? Is it your, I guess, as good as mine? You know, we've got a lot of horses like Kingswell Theatre and, and 
Potter's Corner and, and several that have run here before. Um, old Tiger Roll could be back in the equation on good ground, although I think we might have just seen Tiger Roll um, better days for him based on his last two runs. So, yeah, it's a race I'm not going to have a bet in. Um, only if I'm having a play spot would I even remotely start looking at it and thinking, well, I, I need at least two or three running for me and just hope the favourite gets beat. But um, no view whatsoever. There's... Then my nap of the meeting is I won't be sticking up anything on this on my column this week. <laughs> when you do a play spot, how many lines do you normally go for? Do you normally... You, oh, you, God, it could be anything. Masks. Anything to only four or five in a race if needed, sometimes more. Very rarely bank or anything. Do you, lay um, out in the, do you have a syndicate that you, you spread it around with or do you yeah. do it personally? Yeah, there's usually a couple of us that have a go. Yeah, we we've, we we usually do okay, yeah. I remember I remember the one year we got we got down to the Grand Annual and it was going to pay a right few quid, and we had five horses running for us. I think three or four of the first three in the bed, and we, we went out. <laughs> we went out in the last... Yeah, even though it was a good day, we'd, had, we'd, we'd back loads of winners. I never felt so sickly, even though they had a winning day, because we, the play spot would have paid, paid a right few quid, and we went out. I know so. what I'd have been doing. I'd have been hitting that place lay bet in four places all day long. <laughs> no, I know. I think it was the day before you know, the exchanges really dominated the scene, so uh, we, did, we did think on our feet. Well, you mentioned the Grand Annual, and that is what comes next. And Embittered is the seven to one joint favourite with Ntukas and Sky Pirate. Zanza, nine to one. Uh, the Shunter, ten to one. I feel like I've said the Shunter's name about 15 times today. No idea where the Shunter's going to turn up. Um, Chosen Mate, 14 to one. Us and Them, 16 to one. Um, Iblio, 16 to one. 20 to one bar. And Barry, I mentioned I don't know where the Shunter's going to turn up. Are there, are there any clues who's going to be turning up here um, come Wednesday? Yeah, well, in the last couple of days, and Tukas has been supported. He's a seven to one chance. Uh, Sky Pirate in there at seven, none runner money back, obviously embittered, like you say, six to one favorite. Uh, Umbrigado, El Dorado, Alan, Iblio, all 12 to one chances. It's a, it's a race that I was fancying one horse in it, I thought could run a big race. It's a JP McManus horse. It's uh, called Sully Duck. Uh, one first time up in Ascot earlier on last uh, last October, um, a novice handicap chase or a novice uh, a, a novice or a handicap chase. Uh, I think it was rated around one two five. Finished third to Condor Castle then in November, and they put him away. It looks like they put him away for this following that run in Newbury back in November. Uh, he wasn't beaten that far. He's only beaten two and a quarter lengths. Um, He's a horse that I just think it looks like they've been protecting his handicap mark and this could be the race for him. So I don't think you pronounce the AA on the end of that, do you, TC? I, I know you had that conversation before. It, it, it depicts no. something to do with some breed, yeah, isn't yeah. there? That it's, it's I, I not said a full it a, thoroughbred or something. Yeah, I said it in a podcast. I think Blake might have just uh, had a pop at me for that. But yeah, it's not after time Ansel anyway. <laughs> Oh, Sully Doc, uh, the one for Barry. Tony, we'll stick with you. Um, yeah. How do you see this? Uh, I think Joseph O'Brien's got a really strong hand in here. Uh, I think us and them at 16s is probably the pick of his at the prices for me, although, you know, the other two are shorter. Um, I'm hoping um, there's an angle into this race, and it's Maracuja. Now, Maracuja is, needs 10 to come out to get into this. There's 31 uh, entries at the five-day stage, and he's I think he's number 30. Um, so obviously he needs to he needs something drastic to happen. Numbers coming out, but he, he they've got him in at Hereford on on Saturday, and, it, and I've had a quick look at it. Not nothing too dramatic, obviously in the time frame, but it looks a pretty winnable race. And obviously he'll pick up a five pound penalty if he does if he goes in there, and that will take his that will take him up to a mark of one hundred and thirty nine. That's fifteen pound lower than when running in this race last year. Albeit you know he didn't uh, he didn't set the world alight there. Um, but this is this horse. He's, 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 if you go back far enough, he's, he's a really, really well handicapped horse, and he ran his best race of the season when fur to Ambergado at Weatherby last time. Now Ambergado's obviously um, gone gone in since, so I think that was a very fair run. If if he wins on Saturday uh, at Hereford, uh, gets up to a mark of 139, I, I think he's he's pretty much sure to get in. And like I said, he's 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 a well handicapped horse. So uh, it's a kind of horse that's just made for the um, non-runner money back. Because if he does blow out at, at Hereford, they might not run him anyway. But if he does win there, he's got a he's got an excellent chance of getting in the race. He's a course winner. Um, and like I said, I 
you know, it could well be, you know, they, they've targeted this race and they've looked at the Hereford race. They've obviously thought about this, about what he needs to do to get in. And no, it just seems to be an, an interesting angle. And it's an interesting angle backed up by a decent price as well. Uh, but, you know, horses like this are what these money back concessions are all about. Mm. He blows out of Hereford. He doesn't go anywhere near Cheltenham, you'd have thought. But if he does win there, I think you're on a live one. Maracuja, best price on the grids for non-runner money back around about the 20 to 1 mark if you want to follow Tony in there. Uh, interesting angle and you can have a nice, uh, you know, hopefully watch the race at Hereford on the weekend and hope you get a winner there and you're sitting on a decent price come next Wednesday. Andy? Yeah, not, nice one. Uh, nice one. Uh, Barry's pulled out the hat there because that, that's on my shortlist as well. Um, Sully Dark. Um the day when he won back in October at Ascot, uh, Barry's going to love this. Um, I did some work on on that card, and, and the, the, the two my handicap won by Moolah God when he beat Ibleo. Um, I got Sully Dock beating those two milers by roughly about ten lengths on the on the final circuit. His overall time is quick as well, furlong per furlong. So I've watched the, the, that that race at. Ascot and see how, many, how it's developed. And if you go back, I'm sure Barry's done the work as well. The second editor de Guise won. Smarty Wild went on to Kempton and won. Falco Blitz won the other day at Southall. Copper Coin won the other day. I think he came from a long way back to win at Huntingdon. And then lo and behold, the horse that finished 52 lengths last of seven, Dorking Boy, won at Doncaster the other day. Mm-hmm. So every single horse out of that race at Ascot has won. He would have won at Newbury, wouldn't he, if he hadn't made that bad mistake at the last. He caught the top. Dropped, you know, slithered on landing, lost his hind legs, and he'd be coming here off the back of beating Clondor Castle, who's gone on to win at Kempton subsequently. So he's definitely shortlist material. That's Sully Dock. Um, Twenty to one is a mythical price. Um, he's kept fresh. Yeah. He's, he's he's got Cheltenham form. He ran well beyond simply the bets last year, and I think a strongly run two miles. We we ride up his street. Uh, I've also backed in two cast for the, for the same outfit. JP McManus. Now, obviously, Joseph's got embedded in there. He's got probably a more sexier profile, having run against you know some of those top quality Irish horses, such as um, you know Energamine and all that. But I like the way Intucas has come along. He, he ran in the best two mile handicap so far this season, on either side of the Irish Sea. The, the race that Wave of the Sea won, you know, the Shunter ran in it. He he won the more battle the other day, but they went a right gallop in that race. And I thought Intucas hit the front a lot sooner than they would have hoped. Um, He's a horse, I think, just about barely gets it. I think that's why I think this inside track will suit him more than a, a demanding two-mile one at Leopardstown. And they probably want to try and hold on to him, you know, in between the second last and the last and, and then deliver him then. Easier said than done in a 20-strong field. But um, I've long thought in Tukas is, 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 is a he's a horse for this kind of race. He's always looked as though he's going to win one of these big ones. So, yeah, I've backed in Tukas at double-figure odds. But, yeah, that's Sully Dock. Yeah, without giving too without giving too much away. Yeah, that's uh, that's another one for the shortlist. <laughs> and two cast seven to one across the board. Barry, if if you haven't backed Sally Doc yet, I'd, I'd get on it now because <laughs> Andy sounds a bit ominous in his tone. I think um, Sally Doc twenty to one uh, with one firm, sixteen to one pretty much across the board though. Uh, so that is the grand annual. So just come just on. before we yeah. carry, what what would be your minimum guide price for that, Andy, for Sally Doc? That you in, back him out. The minimum, the minimum you go to. Um, I think it'd be fourteen, sixteen on the day. I think I, I, I don't see him being any shorter. I think the market hold up. You've got Embittered and Two Gazanza. The Shunt, I think, might come here. Us and them, yeah, they'll bet some. Yeah, seven to one. The... You have to factor in the owner as well. What they're going to mm. do because they'll have and Two in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe a case where if it's bigger than 16 to 1 as they're about to go, probably not worth yeah, it. It's a good strategy to back both of those two, I think, because I think JP's he quite fancies this race this year. Yeah, it's a race he likes, isn't it? He's won yeah. with Alderwood and a couple of others exactly, in the past yeah. that, that have ran well and that he, he seems to target it. And he's, he seems to have the you know the an angle on, on both form lines. You know, he's got the he's got the English form covered with, with Sully Dock. He knows he knows what it takes to win those two, two, two mile three races with him and and He's chucked in two cuts in that big race of the day, and he thinks, "Yeah, he's come out of that okay." Right, well, I've got him as well. Yeah, yeah. he's got a very... I thought they might have gone wave of the sea here, but uh, obviously not. They're not square no, well, with him. He looked. But that's he... that race in Leopard Sandy you were talking yeah, about. Absolutely. Then, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, was fourth in. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's very, very strong form that um, that Leopardstown race. They went a proper gallop, and 
if if you've lasted the pace in that, you you should do well in in the, in the Grand Annual. So yeah, yeah. those are my, yeah the two JP McManus horses for me there. On then to the final race of the day on Wednesday on day two, and it is the champion bumper. Tony, you've already told us that this isn't one that interests you, so you better start thinking of your nap, your long shot, and your uh, and your lay. Uh, but we will ask if you've got anything to add. Uh, Kilcrew and Sigarhard are the two joint favourites at two to one. Three Stripe Life eight to one, uh, sixteen uh, to one. Ramirez uh, and Hollow Games twenty to one, twenty-five to one bar. Uh, Barry, come to you first here. Um, how do you normally approach the bumper? This is Paddy's day, um, and the Irish will be going home happy in the bumper <laughs> after the bumper. That's for sure. Kilcrude seven to four can't have that one at seven to four at all. Visually, I know he looked very impressive up in Leopardstown, but I'm not sure whether that form's ever going to stack up. Sir Gerhart, on the other hand, he looks a proper racehorse. He's been so impressive in what he's done so far. And uh, down Royal and in Navin. That race in Navin, interestingly, that's a race that um, Gordon Elliott has farmed over the years and most recently with Envoy Allen. Um, I just thought that, like, he, he, the way he quick and clear, now he beat nothing in down Royal, but the wind of 14 lengths, quick and clear, he just looked smart and then backed it up in Navin against a decent enough field. And uh, they put him away. They, 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 Decided not to go to the Dublin Racing Festival with him. That's something that they had done with with Envoy Allen, incidentally. But they 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 resisted the temptation, let's say, of going there to keep him a fresh horse for this. Obviously, he's in a different yard now, which adds a bit of spice to the whole thing. But uh, I very difficult to get away from Sir Gerhard. He's my nap of the of Paddy's day, and I think uh, I think he'll be sending the Irish fellas home very very happy indeed. Barry, um, what why do the Irish love this race so much? It seems to, just if bumpers are part of our heritage over here, you know what I mean? Mm. All uh, historically, all the good bumper horses you win a bumper, you get it sold to the UK. It kept fellas going in Ireland all through the 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, it's just a race. As soon as you arrive at a race meeting, and someone say to you, Oh, Jesus, Willie's is very well fancied in the bumper, you know, we're always they were always the best betting races <laughs> for the bookmakers, you know, there was always three or four horses that got backed in them. Everybody had a had a fancy in the bumper, and it was just in, intricately, you know, Irish people are just just connected to the bumper, and they've actually made it their own, haven't they? In in Cheltenham, it's not a, like you hear Paul Nichols talk about a bumper. He couldn't, he wouldn't give you a tuppence halfpenny for one of them. But whereas the likes of Willie Mullins and that, they're thinking straight away, oh, he's one for for the Cheltenham bumper. I, I remember I talking about two tuppence halfpenny. Do I remember? Um... John Hale paying 320 grand for Faustino Rossino once after winning at Carlisle. So he might not give a tuppenny halfpenny, but some of his owners, <laughs> some of his owners do. But yeah, it's always fascinated me uh, why yeah, why there's so much love for the bumpers. But you've explained yeah. it well, Barry. Bit fair, Barry. Um, sorry. Uh, and Barry, <laughs> Barry, if I can ask you a question as well, what what do you make of the the switch um, from Cheveley Park to to, to send? Sir Gerard to Willie Mullins, who's got the favourite. I mean, I would I would have thought when when they were jiggling the balls around, they would have probably gone to Henry, Henry with that and kept kept the kept those two apart. I mean, what what? How do you yeah, see you would have thought anyone that was on top of the situation. You know, I think that might have been a rush decision in where what they sent where at the time. You know, there was a lot of balls up in the air, and you mm. know, there was a lot of confusion around that time as well. So it might have just it mightn't been a whole lot of thought gone into it because you think if anyone was to sit down. And logically look at you know the dispersal where what who was going, which horses were going to which trainers. Yeah, Sir Gerhard wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have been one that you'd feature. Uh, sending consider sending to Clon Sutton, considering the the, the strength and depth that Willie has in his uh, in his bumper horses this year. And it, it, I guess is it, is it a long term decision? You know, there's there's a long way to go after this champion bumper here in terms of their and what they're going to do going forward. Yeah, I mean, if you're Willie Mullins, you, you've got the favourite, and all of a sudden you're handed with a Johnny Come Lately of Sir Gerard, and he's your main, he's your main opponent. You know that from in advance, and all of a sudden you've got, you've got to, you know, you've got to train him and get into the into the post and, and, and in a one condition, and and also it, it might put Willie in a difficult position with, with Kilcrook's owner. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a real um, dodgy one that head scratcher, head yeah. scratcher. Beyond the kind of politics around the ownership and all, and all of that, Andy, do you have a view on on who's the value at the prices I, at the moment? I I think long term. This is why I see these two horses. I think Kilcrook is a real strong stayer. If they go really good gallop, um, like they did at Leopardstown when the race fell apart, it's going to play into his strengths because he's got a cruising speed. And he just seems to be able to gallop. 
but I think the real Rolls Royce horse of the two is Sir Gerard. As far as I could see, he's you know the numbers I've got him doing, even though bumpers sometimes don't produce great time figures, he's done two numbers that are, are right up there with some of the best I've got. Um, but he's really quickened, hasn't he, Barry? In, the, in, in his in his latter stages, I, I actually think he did. You know, considering the ground was that bad at Navan the last day, he quickened up really well on it. Beat that good horse of Gavin Cromwell's, left him for dead. Um, he was good in down and under hands and heels, Andy, as well. Yeah, you know, never had to get serious with him. I think Jamie Codd knew, give him the office, and bang, away he went. I mean, just looking at him as a model as well, Sir Gerard looks a big, strong bull of a horse, and 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 Kilcrook looks a more of a light framed angular type. Um, so yeah, I, I think if it came down to a test of speed, and you know, they'd, they'd, it, I'd, I'd favor Sir Gerard, I think he might just have the better turn of foot and three strike life as well. He, he's another one to throw into the mix. He looked very impressive when he when his bumper comes here, obviously off the back of that without another run. Um, he's smart, so I think we're we're dealing with three very very good horses here. Cigar hard two to one, getting the nod over Kilcoop from both Andy and Barry, but a, a, a mention there for three strike play for eight to one for Andy. Tony, I, I joked that you'd have nothing to add, but in case you do, I wanted to bring you in before we move on. No, nothing more. Well, then we'll, we'll come we'll come to you first then for the for the nap, the long shot, and the lay. Um, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a guide price here. If you can get four to one Eclatoria without Monkfish, uh, I like that bet. Um, I think on a, on a day where lays are, are very hard to find at, at reasonable, you know, mm-hmm. punter prices. Uh, I think the check Empress one lay at 2.2 is, is, is justifiable. And I really like for, for, for the non-runner money back, uh, bet. If you do, if you're watching this before Saturday, it's Maracuja in the Grand Daniel at twenty to one plus each way because he could, he could, you know, if he wins at Hereford, he pick up a five pound penalty. Who's to say he's not going to go to Hereford and absolutely dot up, which he mm. could well do off that mark, and he could go there, you know, officially well handicapped horse, um, and I think he's well treated anyway on his back form. So Maracuja is the most interesting bet of the day for me, and like I said, that's what the money back concession is 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 made for. Um, and I think he's maybe been overlooked at 20 to 1 plus. Absolutely. Barry? Uh, my nap, as you heard there, George, is um, Sir Gerhard in the bumper. My lay is Chacon Pursois in the champion chase. And my each way, I'm a sucker for a story. Uh, Nicky Martin's <laughs> Bear Grylls in the Ballymore to sneak into a place at a big price. Great stuff. And Andy? Um, my lay be Chuck and Paul Soir as well at the prices. Um, my best, but I've got to stick with my nap and the meeting. I've got to go with Galliard de Mesmes. I could easily say Monkfish, but anyone could tell you that at, at eight to thirteen. So yeah, Galliard de Mesnil, um, my biggest winner of the week, uh, and and the one at the prices. Um, we both talked about him, Sully, Sully Dock at twenty to one. Biggest winner, winner of the week, Andy. Until you head into the Grand Annual with that place pot ticket, that's going to play, pay an absolute fortune. <laughs> Will lightning strike twice? We'll see. With Thank your you twenty very- grand perm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you very much to Tony Calvin and Andy Holding and uh, Barry Orr. Do check out all the content coming from from all three as we go over the festival. Do get on the Betfair Sportsbook and the Betfair Exchange and check out all the offers there too. Do download the Odds Checker app for Andy's tips and the best prices, bookie offers, free bets and everything else that comes with it too. Hopefully we've given you a couple of winners or at least something to think about. Please do gamble responsibly and enjoy the racing. Music